1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the cover three podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three. And everywhere you get your podcast on demand, thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash the like, come and join us in the chat, aka the cover three tailgate hey, rocking and rolling here on a Monday. Lots to get to because every single Monday we give you a pun further review. We do the best we can in the instant reaction show, but there's more football, later football. We're going to come back with more takeaways from week eight. Also, poll assassin as we look at some of the changes in the new AP Top 25 poll. Latest Iowa points update. How has Bud Elliott dispersed the points that are remaining for the Iowa Hawkeyes and that goal to 325? We will get an update on that as well. Day trade and Danny returns and uh, rumors on the uh, trading room floor as we're going to be diversifying our portfolios this week. So very excited about that. But I want to begin with a couple big headlines, none of which impacting just sort of the, the larger, the Big 12 title picture, the college football playoff picture. Quinn Ewers is expected to miss some significant time uh, after suffering what has been reported as a grade two AC joint sprain in his right shoulder. Um, Orangebloods.com, ESPN's Pete Thamel. Multiple reports are coming out on this. Steve Sarkeesian will be meeting with the media today where we will get more of a timeline. Malik Murphy came into the game and finished it as Texas was able to hold on for a one-score win against Houston. Danny how do we start to um, reevaluate Texas, the Texas offense, and you know what the path looks like for the Longhorns the rest of the regular season, assuming that yours will be out for
3: uh, a couple of weeks? Um, this, the, the good news is, if you're Texas, I do think you have significantly more talent than everybody else on your schedule. Um, the good news is Malik Murphy – had an awesome spring game. Like he's been there. I think he knows the system. I think he should be able to hand it off to Jonathan Brooks pretty well. Um, the bad news is we don't know how long this is, right? Like we're mm-hmm. uncertain of the time frame. The bad news is with him, you were struggling against Houston, but I did definitely feel like they were playing down to that. And then the other piece of bad news, and this is really from Malik Murphy if he struggles at all, mm. you know what's going to happen. Where's Arch? Arch, man, where's Arch? Is he ready? Is he ready to go? And that's going to be something that I think Sark is going to have to deal with over the next few weeks. I thought it was one of the big reasons why, after the spring game, he could have let it keep going, the competition. He said, no, this is Quinn Ewer's team. And I thought that was a genius move for him to do, especially when we saw Quinn Ewer's playing better this year. But I think that's going to be something he's going to have to handle delicately moving forward to make sure everybody's happy, to make sure Malik Will- uh, Malik Murphy is still – like his confidence is up but that is going to be the the cloud that looms over that Texas program until Quinn Ewers comes back I mean look they could be
4: in trouble right if if Ewers gets back healthy i think they would be a small or smaller favorite than they were in red river but they do have to go and they have to play Kansas state in two weeks they should beat BYU this weekend cuz BYU is is not good but They're having an okay year in the first year of the Big 12. I actually don't think yours has played all that well aside from the Alabama game. So I'm not sure what the true drop-off is here to Malik Murphy if Murphy is the player who we saw in a very limited sample in the spring game. But there is a pretty high chance that yours is going to miss that Kansas State game in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And Sark is going to need to be in his back because that is basically the game that you have to get. Because if you lose to Kansas State... How many losses in Big 12 play did Kansas State have now? Just one, right? I believe so, no. Yeah. So they would have Kansas State would have to lose three times because you would lose the head-to-head tiebreaker with them if you lose to them, given the fact you've already lost to Oklahoma. So like the Kansas State game is kind of the game to go to the Big 12 title game. Because if you win, you can actually lose another ball game and still go as a two loss team. Texas doesn't want to be a two loss team heading to the Big 12 title game, but still, like it it, it would get there. If, if, if they beat Kansas State, I would project, but man, like I'm also worried about this Texas defense because they have, they seemingly have a lot of injuries piling up. You look at the snap counts. Like, there's a lot of guys here that I don't know who they like. I know who they are as recruits, but like I don't know who they are as players. And, and I'm, I'm a little worried because Houston moved it on them a lot more than I thought they should be able to. So this may be a real problem.
2: I can't believe you're just writing off Oklahoma State's chances like that. They also only have one loss in the Big 12. Come on, right. bud. We've we've I, got I, this I, ticket. Let's I, believe in it. I, I know. I, I just I'm not <laughs> sure.
0: Ollie Gordon's sure husband. Real. Yeah. Let's, go, let's throw that one on top
2: too. No, this is I mean, we talked about it all off season when we spent all this time talking about the Texas QB battle and yelling Arch Manning's name a thousand times.
0: Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning.
2: This is why, like you didn't want the situation to happen, but the, the silver lining was. There's no team probably in the country that has as much depth at the quarterback spot as Texas does. Like, we've talked about it all year. Who's the best quarterback in the SEC? We don't know. Like, who's been the best quarterback in the Big Ten? We don't Well, it's J.J. McCarthy. But after that, you know, there's a lot of questions about, like, the second best, third best guys. Texas might have three better quarterbacks on its roster than they have in the SEC total. So, like, obviously losing Ewers is not a good thing, but you have an excellent backup in Malik Murphy and somebody who has shown flashes and an ability to be very good. And I don't think we're going to see Arch Manning no matter what. I think it's been pretty clear what the plan has been for him all along. But I do think that this could be worse. Like, if you had lost Malik Murphy to the transfer portal and if you didn't have Arch Manning and you had a more unproven kind of untested backup – Texas would be in a lot more trouble. That said, I, I'm with you, bud. I don't think this is a little deal. I do think it's important. I do think Kansas State is playing a lot better in the last few weeks than it had been. And they are a much more dangerous team now that you don't have yours. As far as yours is concerned, like this is the second year in a row, it's the same injury. How does this impact his draft stock and his future? Because, like you said, he played great against Alabama. He's been good the rest of the season, but he hasn't been spectacular. Now he's got the shoulder injury for the second year in a row. You wonder how his evaluation from NFL teams is going to look after this season. And if, you know, maybe, I mean, this could bring in, if things don't go, if he doesn't heal up or the evaluation isn't great, we could see a situation where Quinn Ewers is still in college next year. Like we At this time last year, most of us thought Bo Nix would be gone and, and Michael Penix would be gone. Both came back. So who knows what the situation is going to be for him long term.
0: In three games of non-conference play, Rice, Alabama, Wyoming, eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. In four conference games since then, Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, Houston, five touchdowns to three interceptions. Mm -hmm. Um, The play in general has not been at the very top of the sport, but some of that also is the identity of this Texas team, which as we've talked, I mean, Danny, like you mentioned, just hand it off to Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks has been excellent. We ma- made him a midseason All-American for a reason. The um, the outlook for this Texas team moving forward is, you know, like you mentioned about, a little bit imperfect. But I'm going to say that I was unimpressed by Malik Murphy's first impressions when he was thrown into the fire, but you were also thrown into the fire. This is the most important week for Sark, for Malik Murphy. And you know what? For Arch Manning, like I'm not just trying to like gas this up right now, but what happens if Murphy stinks? Like, what happens if you're going out there against either the next two opponents, BYU or Kansas State, and like you couple bad interceptions, and you do need to go to the next man up on the depth chart, which just happens to be your prize recruit. Like this is a uh, this is one of the most important weeks of practice that I think Texas is going to have because at least they're going to have the knowledge of how long it's going to be out. And so the reporting says not season-ending, but I'm going to say at least a couple weeks, right? You're not going to be rushing him back, throwing him back into the equation. You've got to almost think that for the next three games, maybe more, you're going to be functioning with Malik Murphy as your QB1 and your Arch Manning as your backup if things don't go well or Murphy gets hurt.
4: Totally. The other thing here is I'm not sure that Kansas State matches up all that well with Texas. The way Kansas State plays their defense and the way Sark schemes stuff, they just hit shot play after shot play on them last year and, and, and schemed up runs really well. Like Kansas State had no answer for their unba- unbalanced looks really for the second year in a row. So there may, j- like sometimes styles make fights and mm-hmm. there may just be something that with the way Kansas State runs their defense and how they set their, how they set their front and their back end and the way Sark like, likes to use all these different formations and whatnot. It just creates things that are hard to match up with. And Murphy, is there any real reason to think that Murphy is, is worse at hitting some of these shot plays than yours? I guess the limited sample of, of Houston. Uh, but again, we have the equally limited sample of the Texas spring game uh, for, from which opposing coaches were like, hey, let's go try to get this guy to jump in the portal, and, and he stayed. And for Texas, thank God that he did. On the other side, and we'll get this to this in big game breakdown, Kansas State's still not throwing the ball that well. They're running the ball. Who has run it on Texas this year? Nobody. Kind of nobody. So if your concerns for Texas are now quarterback and back end because they're really dinged in the secondary, I don't know exactly how how well-suited Kansas State is to exploit that.
3: Do you guys think we see Arch Manning?
2: No. No. (laughs) Not at all. Not unless Malik gets hurt.
3: He better I don't play know. well. I'm with you. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I don't think he's going to red. Do you think they're going to like? I don't. He doesn't need yes. the red shirt. I think, I think so the like, plan
4: is to red shirt him.
3: I know, but he doesn't. But need you it. get four games, remember? right? Mm-hmm. I think we'll see him. Yeah.
2: I think Sark is going to game plan around Malik Murphy's strengths, and Malik Murphy is a very talented player, and Malik Murphy is going to play very well, given a week to prepare for a game instead of being thrown into an offense he wasn't suited to run yet.
0: Right. And that's, and that is what, again, what I'm going to give Malik Murphy is like thrown into that spot on the road in that game, Mm -hmm. which was not even supposed to be that close. The fact that I think his first pass sailed like, 30 yards in the air. I mean, he yeah. almost get the sky cam. <laughs> the dude is jacked up to get in there. So I I, I understand.
3: Um, there's uh, there's this this unknown, and I think you see this happen. It kind of reminds me of the NFL when we get so caught up in the preseason. Like, ooh, this guy is going to be awesome because he lights it up in the preseason. Spring games are very much like that. Sometimes you hit gold because a got it, like Tyson Bajant look pretty one and good. 0, baby. Yeah. And then you get like a DTR who, you know, in the Browns preseason, everybody's like, Ooh, he's going to, he could take over the starting role. And then he doesn't play well. doesn't even retain it. They go back to PJ Walker. Like it can be a false sense of security or it could be a true, you know, indicator of how good this, I just don't trust it. So we'll see because I, I'm not going to put much stock in coming off the bench either. It's a tough spot to be in, but I think it's important. He plays well. To be
2: yeah. fair, though, even while at UCLA, DTR always had incredible NFL preseason QB energy. <laughs> that's just what his entire game is.
0: And, and look, I, I don't want to dive any deeper into this because I do hope that Malik Murphy. It was really cool to see him stay when other coaches wanted him to
3: go. Um,
0: but Sark also might have schemed up some stuff to have him look good in the spring game. You know,
3: mm-hmm. gas him up a Great little play bit. caller, and that's what good play callers do. They'll work to their quarterback strengths. I think you have to feel like he's going to do that.
0: Um, okay. So Saturday night, we, uh, we finish the instant reaction show. We, you know, we record our, our Nissan read. We're going through all of our post-show work and, and we have the real tough discussion of like, okay, do, do we think that we will have an emergency podcast for Sam Pittman being fired on Sunday? You know, what is everybody's schedule? Like, we're, are we going to try to move this? And then it's like, Arkansas, Arkansas has fired. Oh no, cancel the birthday party. Dan Enos. Okay, birthday party back on. Okay. <laughs> um, offensive coordinator Dan Enos is out. The, rais- the reason why we talked about it, the Razorbacks are off this week. You know, In the traditional midseason firing process, one of the times that you would identify is heading into the off week to give the whole team, the locker room, the assistant coaching staff, a chance to settle. Well, it is the assistant coaching staff that is going to be shaken up. Dan Enos hired by Sam Pittman to replace Kendall Bryles, who went to TCU after Clemson hired Garrett Riley. And as, yeah, that none of those situations have worked out really well. Um, does this change Arkansas's offense, Tom?
2: Um, Maybe. Uh, Arkansas's or the big offense, picture.
0: Like, does, does, does this do anything else other than throw red meat to Matt Arkansas? Offense? No,
2: it's just, it's fire him, get the heat off for a little bit. Like, I don't think this really changes anything long-term. I still think that you're constrained to what you have honestly like K.J. Jefferson is K.J. Jefferson he's very good for some stuff and he's not great at other stuff and you kind of you know handcuffed suiting your offense to what he does with your skill set everywhere else and I think this is really just a delaying the inevitable maybe hoping to catch lightning in a bottle maybe you know you get a new play caller in there and things pick up and things start working and you can save your job I still think this is all very much destined for Arkansas having a coaching search this winter.
4: Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. Um, I know some people at Arkansas who thought that Enos was more of a quarterback coach than an OC, and that they thought the, hey, let's have KJ Jefferson do more quarterback stuff as opposed to like playing quarterback in a Kendall Browse offense was a bad idea. I think that you will see more quarterback run and and a little bit less dropback stuff. Uh, from Arkansas. Now that that Eno's is gone, also like there's a chance that if Arkansas loses out, that Arkansas can can save five million bucks to fire Pittman. Right. I mean, it's that's. I not thought nothing. it wasn't even
0: lose out. I think they can
4: beat FIU. Okay, then he doesn't have a winning record. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. For those of you guys who are listening at home, or maybe first time you're checking us out, if Pittman doesn't have a winning record, 2021 to current when Arkansas fires him the buyout is slashed. So that is about a 5 million dollar difference after this year. Uh I look, we did the whole like wh- why like Kentucky should not expect more than what Mark Stoops does. It's probably fair to think Arkansas should be like what a half win better per season I guess if they're really really going well, like making a bowl is the goal at Arkansas for me. Like there's certain teams in this league that just you take, the, you take the check, you know you're going to take the losses. You can't win the league at Arkansas, in my opinion. Like can you win your rivalry games? Like can you beat Mississippi State? Not that it's a rivalry, but it's like a similar recruiting type team. Can you beat them at home? You know, can you Can
2: you score more than three points?
4: Right. Against, yeah. So? I mean, yeah. It's, like, yeah. to
0: me, the Arkansas thing cannot be a win-loss. It has to be a competitiveness. It has to be when you're on the field with the best teams, does it look like you belong or does it look like you do not belong? And when you're in the coin flip games, are you winning half of them, if not more? But when the coin flip games are coming up short, when you look like you don't belong against the best teams in the conference and the only wins you're getting are in the non-con, then you're not moving in the right direction.
4: Also, I mean, if if, sorry, go ahead, Danny. I
3: was going to say this team kind of has three and nine Nebraska vibes. If you look at some of the close losses, like just letting Mm -hmm. them slip away. This to me reeks of. You know, there's certain things to do for a spark right? Let's let a spark bench your quarterback. We can't bench KJ Jefferson. I mean, he's been the face of the program. He's put the team on his back multiple times, but you sure can go after the coordinator who just showed up and you know, the numbers are dropping off. So I think there's some of scapegoating going on here, right? We got to find something to do to shake things up to see if we can change the direction of this. But I totally agree with you guys, Bud. what you're saying about like the reality of the program, where is it? But then of course, they're going to go back and say, "Well, Bobby Petrino had ten wins, you know, and we've we've had other coach had us there." It's just that's more of the outlier over the history of the school. I mean, Pitt, Pittman's made what three bowls? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, but no fan base wants to hear, "Hey, we're going to bowls," even if you're, you know. I mean, they're just not very. They've realistic. been in the
4: league for thirty years. They've was never
3: was. come close to winning the league. Like, like they're never, they've never had the
4: best team in the league. What? I don't know. Like this is where I do think this is a, a downside of conference realignment. You're going to have some of these teams that are picking up an extra loss or an extra half loss per year now that Texas and Oklahoma are coming in, and they're going to be like, "Damn." Well,
0: we're, we're pointing not even, to the Bobby Petrino. The time. Bobby we Petrino is the summer. Bobby Petrino is pre-Texas A and M in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Like we we are looking at eight wins seasons. You know, those kind of uh, in, in the post expansion to fourteen era, Arkansas already saw its ceiling drop a little bit from where it was before. Mm -hmm. So add Texas and Oklahoma again, like you added Texas A&M, you added Missouri, you added a lot of direct recruiting competitors and you gave them that SEC logo that they could slap on their jerseys and take into living rooms. Now you're adding Texas and Oklahoma again, recruiting competitors for Arkansas that are now getting that boost where you can't negatively recruit against them saying that they're going to be on a streaming network or pay-per-view if you want to go see your son uh, play sometime. You're going to be on the Southeastern Conference now.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Keep Pittman, don't keep him. Whatever. Like he he takes him to bowls more than half the time. I I I don't think that they should expect a lot better. But if they want to expect better and they want to pay the money, I understand it. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll definitely be uh, keeping our eyes there because to me, Arkansas represents a domino. Arkansas can hire somebody that will then have to have a coaching search, and then it's you know that's why we call it the carousel. We should probably start talking about the coaching carousel soon, right? Maybe, pretty fun. Possibly. be pretty fun to have a good segment. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe Speaking get a of,
2: graphic for it too.
0: Yeah, I think we can get a graphic, maybe a little intro music. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Speaking of great segments with fantastic intros, coming up on the other side, we hit the trading room floor with Day Train Danny, plus a pole assassin, and upon further review.
1: Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Where'd he go?
3: Hit the animation. (laughs) All right, here we go. All right. The bell has rung. The market's open. Are we ready to do this? Yes. Yes. All right, let's do it. Let's start off. A little read now. You guys have all watched CNBC, and they show the big board, right? They show the big board, and they flash red or green. A little bit of red out in those streets. There's a little bit of bloody water out there. When you look at some of the guys I was holding, wasn't a great week. Drake May, costly interception at the end of the game. Michael Penix, now no longer the favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, He's dropped to plus 250 out there uh, on the Heisman odds. Uh, Quinn Ewers. So that was going to be my first sell was Quinn Ewers, but the stock is halted due to the unknown nature of the injury. <laughs> so I can't make a trade. I'm kind of stuck with them. So that's what I'm going to do there. I'm stuck with my Quinn Ewers stock. So I'll just hold on to that one. Dylan Gabriel's kind of a soft, like it's kind of like a hold. Like I'm just going to hold it. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to panic uh, there. And then Jaden Daniels, I might even dabble and buy some more after a strong performance. Four total touchdowns versus Army. They got the buy. Then they got Bama. Let's go. I'll add a little bit of Jaden Daniels to that stock. Uh, All right. So who am I buying then? Because we got to add to this portfolio. we got to expand things, make sure we're setting ourselves up nice. Tom has been all over it. I'm going to get some J.J. McCarthy. Mm. Give me some J.J. McCarthy, who is now the leader for the Heisman Trophy, uh, according to most books that are out there. Another strong performance. He continues to get better and better. This one, to me, is what you call a breakout play, Because a lot of times you don't want to chase a stock and it'll hit this certain level. Like maybe it's $100 or $200. It's like this even number that just you can't get through the ceiling. I think it's taken off. I don't think you're going to see it come back. Like there's not going to be a dip to buy. So just buy it on the breakout, on the back end of the season. J.J. McCarthy, I am buying that up because this Michigan team looks like an unstoppable force. I know they haven't played anybody. It doesn't matter He's continuing to build up that confidence. Penn State on the road left, and of course, Ohio State at home. I'm buying up J.J. McCarthy. I'm becoming a believer, and so is Jim Harbaugh. So I will buy that one up. Um, You know, I asked you guys, can I diversify? Do I have to to stay in the quarterback market, or can I dabble in some other exchanges? And you guys said, go ahead and do it. So you guys said his name already on this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and buy up. I was going to say Alan Bowman, you know, because I was just going to stick to the QBs, but give me Ollie Gordon, give me Oklahoma State. They are getting right at the right time. They also have that little game bedlam coming up where you could all of a sudden see, you know, Oklahoma, who looked very vulnerable this weekend, find themselves in the last time of this rivalry facing an Oklahoma State team who we are very clear, Mike Gundy, was not thrilled that Oklahoma left the conference. Whew, that could set up for some fireworks out on the exchange for sure. So give me some Ollie Gordon coming off 282 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. All right. Uh, Jordan, give me a little help here with my next buy. Pork belly prices have been dropping all morning, which means everybody's
2: sitting in their office and they're waiting for them to hit rock bottom so they can buy cheap and go long.
3: All right, so you might be asking, why are we talking pork bellies out here on a college football podcast? Because I want to buy up some Bryson Barnes quarterback of Utah. That's right. Son of a pig farmer is out there just dropping dimes since he's been given the reins. And with the news now that Cam Rising, I hate to see it, but at least Kyle Winningham is no longer under investigation from the SEC for withholding information. He's given us all of it. Now we know that Cam Rising is shut down for the year. I will buy up uh some Bryson Barnes who had his best game he also had the rushing touchdown they're not afraid to start using his legs a little bit more much like we saw with Cam Rising and I just I look at this Utah team and I say why not why can't they because everyone's always told them how they can't it's their quarterback they lose guys on defense every single time they are in the Pac-12 race so I say why not give them a chance for the 3 Pete? so let me buy up some Bryson Barnes out there how we feeling so far as I catch a breath Jackson, oh, I so loved
2: Kyle good. Williams' quote after the game when he was saying, "They've got a Heisman winner, we've got a pig farmer, and I'll take ours." Right.
3: That's where <laughs> that's where it came from. Right there, he's got something. Do you think that Utah, like, if you were to buy, are you buying stock in Utah as well? Like, if yeah, it was just okay, for sure. How can you not? Right. right. I mean, again, it's kind of one of those that may be ugly. It may not look the best. It might not be this high-flying stock that everybody's buying, but it's a value play. That's what it is. It's a dangerous one loss team that's ready. To, it's got like tire
0: irons <laughs> behind yeah. its back ready to cause some real problems.
3: Yeah. So I mentioned um, J.J. McCarthy, who's this breakout play in a stock that just feels like, man, it can't go much higher. And then you regret that you didn't buy it at 100 because it's trading at 400. That reminds me of Apple. But you know what else happened at Apple uh, early when they were struggling with the Lucy computer? Uh, The board had a little meeting. They didn't like the direction that Steve Jobs was taking the programs. they ousted him. They said, you know what? We're getting out of here. It's a sexy stock. It always has been. You know what else is? USC. I already sold my Caleb Williams. I mean, the CEO of USC is Lincoln Riley. I'm selling Lincoln Riley. Now, I'm not saying to fire him, but he has to show me that he can meet the physicality of other teams because guess what? The physical teams that he's played against, look a whole lot more like the teams he's going to face in the Big Ten than what he faced at the Big 12. The all-offense, little defense might have worked in the Big 12 in a league where everybody had shootouts and he kind of got used to that and he was able to outscore other teams. Once he goes to the Big Ten and the remainder of this season, I think that is very much in doubt. So the shareholders have voted. We've met with the board. I am just I'm moving on from Lincoln Riley the, as the face of USC for now because I think he's got to prove to me and others that he can handle that title. We took a lot of
4: heat two weeks ago for saying, like, I, I bet your stories will start coming out about like what goes on there. Cause and, and it's it, I don't like jumping on like the coddled and soft narrative, but a lot of stuff adds up, man, like suspending that that young reporter, and that you don't make any players available after after the game, and then you just look soft as hell in back-to-back games for the first two real teams you play this year. I mean, with all due respect to Arizona, like the first two teams that recruit anywhere near how you recruit they push you around physically and you look disorganized on both sides of the ball. Now, like it, I'll ask again, like is stuff going on there or not going on there? Like maybe stuff that should be happening is not happening, but they look soft and disorganized. Like they have played
2: four defenses that are allowing fewer than 350 yards per game. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Utah and they struggled to beat Arizona and Arizona state. They're a team that when you punch them in the mouth, they don't really punch back.
0: Um, two thoughts. Number one, Ryan Abraham of uscfootball.com, 24-7 Sports uh, Network is one of the my most trusted resources and sources on USC yeah. football. He's been on the beat for more than 15 years, maybe even longer than that. He said he has never, never seen a situation where the players were not made available after the postgame the way that they were uh, after the Utah loss. The second thing is from a narrative and conversation standpoint, it would not be hilarious, but it would be interesting if Oklahoma's going to the SEC, Lincoln Riley goes to the Pac-12, USC's going to the Big Ten. Oh, I'm going to go to the NFL now.
2: (laughs) Guess what? You can't just run plays there either. You're going to have to actually play defense and special teams.
3: So – I put out there that I think that's going to be a conversation. I didn't realize that analysts that cover college football were suggesting that he does that. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Acho actually put out in the universe that he like out loud, he had that thought that, Oh, he should just hang it up. Like oh, I Caleb? was going to be sort of more hot take artists. Like, you know, just guys that don't, that never played in college would say that because there's a major difference in what we're dealing with now. Than even just five years ago, and it was like, oh, they're exploited. They're he's making massive money. Like Mm -hmm. I think it would absolutely hurt his draft stock if he did shut it down this early. The bull, I don't think anybody have a problem with. That's been proven. But shutting it down before the season ends, I think is is a really bad look. Um, Go ahead. If he's gonna do it, just fake an injury. There
4: are already guys this year who are like, oh no, like they who did get a little hurt early in the year and they're not coming back, right? Like, I, I, I'm not going to dive him out because I don't have it official, but, like, guys I trust tell me this guy's not that hurt. And, like, some of the best players in the sport, and he's off training in Dallas during the week. Like, he'll be on the sideline, not in pads during the game, but he's not actually with us right now with the team. Like, I bet you there's guys who are dinged who just won't come back. The problem is if you're not visibly hurt, then people are going to call you a quitter. Right, and you're the quarterbacks they're going to see it. But this is already happening. It also happened during the COVID season. It definitely happened last year with some of the better players in the sport who were not hurt. Like the team definitely didn't think they were very hurt. So, yeah, man. I. I, But if you're not hurt, it's like your your image is going to take a hit.
3: So there is risk in selling uh, and having the board oust Steve Jobs because if you remember, Steve Jobs came back to a hero's return when he came out with the iPhone. So if he can find the right pairing a defensive coordinator of the right. I mean, they've tried. They went out and got bear Alexander. Maybe with their money, they can go out and buy a defense, but I do think some of it stems from an offensive minded coach mentality becomes a big thing. And you take on the personality of your head coach. And for whatever reason, it's not, it's not there. So I'll take that risk and sell it right now. couple other ones. So I do think that Caleb Williams, if you look up his numbers, versus, you know, the better defenses. I think it was top 25 defenses, but I saw the numbers were pretty alarming at who he's played against. I do think it is time to open up the debate for QB1 and the NFL draft. And I put that out there and some people were upset by it. Once you see the NFL scouts come looking and they're looking for a reason to knock you, they can find them on Caleb Williams. And not just the off the field stuff. Bud mentioned it. I noticed it watching film. There's a lot more off the cuff stuff, a lot more sort of, you go back, you know, maybe the first read isn't there. He starts scrambling around. I mean, I noticed that a ton with Johnny Manziel when he was at a and It's one of the reasons I didn't like him at the next level. And I'm not saying at all that Caleb Williams is the next Manziel, but there's too much off script going on. He needs to start playing within the system, getting through his progressions. And so I also have another sell here, but this is sort of like, you guys heard of Berkshire Hathaway, right? Uh, William Buffett's company. So he has class A, he has class B. So he has different um, stocks within the same company. So my Heisman, Drake May sock, I am selling. But the Drake May is the potential overall number one NFL pick. I am buying that one up now when it's banged up a little bit. He didn't play great. The interception was not on him. He got absolutely drilled at the end of the game. But I think Drake May is going to push Caleb Williams in that conversation for the number one overall pick in the draft.
4: Totally, because I I went back and watched more of that UNC Virginia. <sighs> Man, Drake may needs to be pissed some of those receiver drops. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, his PFF grade, I saw the the graph this morning. I think he had like the highest PFF grade of any quarterback in the country this weekend, which is nuts. Because like the numbers definitely don't show it. I, I, I could be wrong, but he's like way way up at the top of the graph. I I, I haven't pulled like maybe he's off fractionally. Here's the other problem though with, with knocking Caleb this far. A, maybe maybe may take like takes over him. B, one of the reasons that Mahomes got knocked at Texas Tech is because he was playing like he had to do every damn thing and that they had mm-hmm. to score 60 to win. Mm-hmm. If you apply that same lens to Caleb, I think that's correct. USC doesn't really have much of a run game right now and they're not blocking. So like yes, he is developing some bad habits in terms of trying to just scramble around and hit the home run every play. Uh, also, I mean, kind of weirdly here, like he has to basically be the guy. If you take Caleb Williams off this team, they USC suck. would not make a bowl.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
4: They I can't mean, run. Like plus they can't Two walk. and a half wins for them, I, I would think. So yeah. I don't know. I will say on, on the, on the, buy point of McCarthy last year, I thought McCarthy in the drop back game was way worse than he was with the play action stuff. This year, he's actually, and I know the competition is awful, and everybody is playing run against them, but he's second in the country in, in quarterback rating without play action. It's mm-hmm. a noticeable change for McCarthy
2: in, in the right direction, and one of the reasons why I think Michigan's the best team in the country. Fired. There was the one dart he threw, standing in the pocket, yeah. just threw like three or four defenders. Just great anticipation, great throw. I as far as the NFL draft stock for both of them. I still think – I think there's been debate between them from an NFL draft circles the entire time. I think that will still continue. I don't think – I know it's easy to be like, oh, he struggled in these two games. He's going to suck in the NFL. But I think you're dead on with that one point, Bud, where he is pretty much the one-man show in that offense right now. And I think a lot of it, which is the story for every NFL quarterback once they get drafted, is going to depend on the situation he gets put in. Because if Patrick Mahomes doesn't end up in Kansas City with Andy Reid – I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I think he's, he's still Alex Smith. Yeah, he may be Alex Smith. So it's going to depend where Caleb Williams ends up. It's going to depend where Drake may ends up. It's going to depend where they all end up. Do they get the right coaching? Are they on the right team? Do they get the kind of support they're going to need to flourish at the next level?
3: And to be clear, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust. I'm not saying he's going to fall out of no. the top five. I mean, he still might be the number one overall pick. I just think there's going to be much more of a debate than most people like the casuals. Well, he's going to be number one overall pick. Tank for Caleb. I think it's going to be much more. Uh, heated than that. Last one for me. So, you guys know what contagion is, right? When there's like a whole market that just gets crushed because, Mm -hmm. like the real estate market. It didn't matter. Anything that's associated with the real estate market back in 2008 just got crushed. Um, Toll Brothers was a stock. Remember that? There was rumors that they were using Chinese drywall Mm -hmm. uh, and it just absolutely crushed them. In fact, like three years ago, which is like almost 10, it's more than 10 years removed from the Chinese drywall. We looked at a house in the Toll Brothers neighborhood. My wife's like, ooh, are you sure it's not Chinese drywall? (laughs) I think Penn State might be Toll Brothers because they just cannot get past this hump, and I don't think it has anything to do with James Franklin. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's playing against teams that are better than him, and I think he needs something to overcome those deficiencies, which primarily would be quarterback or offense or a play caller that can mask any of those issues. So I am selling Drew Aller looked – He's not ready for primetime. He might be. He just looked completely overwhelmed on a lot of the shorter, easier throws early in the game that might have kept him in better situations. Mike Yursich did not get schemed those guys open. The wide receiver, so I was sitting there watching the wide receivers match up just to see if they're open or anything. On the outside, you have no size mismatch at all that a lot of these guys across college football do. Only for Shano, I thought he had a really bad game. I am selling everything associated with Penn State and their offense, because it's like Toll Brothers, that Chinese drywall rumor's out there. And until they prove it otherwise, I'm selling Penn State. Oh, man, you're criticizing
2: Olu Fushanu. Your mentions are going to be a nightmare for the next week or two.
3: <laughs> Did they watch the game? They hey, didn't, I, <laughs> I mean, I watched him before. I, you know, it was great because I, I, well, I actually have some great video of him doing some warm-up drills. Like, he looks the part. Mm-hmm. He is insane. I mean, he looks like a monster out there. And I'm not – again – I'm not saying he can't be a great player he did not have a great game against the best talent that he's going to face
2: He's an excellent pass blocker still has a lot of work to do in the run game
3: danny gecko that was fantastic you know i mean Let's just go. excellent stuff i, I got eat. some more things planned down the stretch like i didn't want to oh. use all the clips out there you know so um, we got, we got more coming. Me and Jordan got some things up our sleeves. Love that. Uh, you were there any, any other, but like while
0: we were, you, I was just sitting there. I was like, man, that's, that's, Oh, right. Danny was at the game. So like any, any other sort of field level or in stadium, you know, at the game, uh, thoughts from being there in person. Yeah.
3: So I thought, you know, I was sitting there watching with Pate, who's been on his tour. So he's been at all these stadiums. I was like, what do you think? It was probably about halftime. I was like, what do you think of the atmosphere? And I said, and I said, How loud is it compared to your other ones? He's like, Yeah, he's like, it's noisy. He's like, But it doesn't come close to Seattle or Knoxville or, you know, some of the other schools he's been to this season. I, cause I thought it was a little bit quieter. And I was like, Well, I was wondering why that is. It was a very nervous energy. Like there was a very nervous crowd. There wasn't a lot of offensive fireworks, which typically bring more enthusiasm, more excitement. I thought both teams just felt like almost like they were kind of playing not to lose it the call, the holding call was the play of the game because if that does go for a scoop and score and Penn State puts that on the board, I think they could have been in serious trouble. Neither quarterback I thought played great. I thought they both struggled with very basic like underneath throws that should have been completions. They just airmailed them or bounced them or, you know, just didn't look good. And Marvin Harrison Jr was the difference. You know, I and I know James Franklin, I know you guys talked about this after the game too. They I would say Ohio State, they're clearly the better team. they won the game. I would pick them again if they played again, but are they are they national championship worthy? I don't think they are on the offensive side of the ball, but I still have to remind myself that they didn't have Ibuka, even though he did warm up. I texted you guys, I'm like, he looks fine, but he didn't play. Travion Henderson wasn't out there, you know, Kyle McCord can get better, so like without a massive jump and both health and more consistency from Kyle McCord I don't think Iowa State is a national champion contender is that fair is that what you guys thought
2: yes I mean some people go ahead Tom I think they're a contender in that I don't think they're as good as Michigan I don't think they're as good as Georgia but I don't think either Michigan or Georgia are no doubt going to kill everybody they play either like I don't think there's a national title contender out there that doesn't have something of a flaw like Michigan we, we, we won't know until Michigan actually plays somebody that's close to its caliber but I think Georgia has shown flaws but I, I will say going back to the atmosphere I think part of the problem at Ohio Stadium is the distance between the seats in the field particularly in the end zones because they're so far away and I think that kind of impacts the noise
0: Like the way it, instead of it caving Mm -hmm. in on you, it just Mm kind of spreads out a little bit. It's the same way at the big house.
3: Yeah. Like it's very Mm -hmm. spread out. So definitely might just acoustically. We're bigger people
2: here in the Midwest. So we tend to need more
3: room. (laughs) Did did those stadiums used to have a track? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they got video of, jesse owens out there running in that track Mm -hmm. that i think impacts it it also like so they had the decimal meter up there which i don't know how accurate those are but i mean it (laughs) seemed like it was getting louder and it was like right around 101 102 and quinn our buddy quinn who works with pate and pate were there and they were saying in seattle it was like 130 oh yeah you know like so it definitely is noticeable and it's a i don't want to sound like i'm bashing on ohio state I just think there's some things acoustically that help certain stadiums, and they definitely didn't get that benefit.
2: because yeah, Husky Stadium has the overhangs it's to make on sure top that, that noise doesn't go anywhere. Yeah.
0: yeah. Coming up on the other side, a quick look at the new AP Top 25 in Pole Assassin. And then lots of good stuff for a pun further review, including, yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about not only how Clemson lost, because it happened in the middle of the instant reaction show, but then what Dabo had to say about it. Next.
1: Got your happy price, price line.
0: Back here on the Cover Three podcast, every single Monday, we'd like to take a look at the new AP Top 25 poll. Any major changes, any questions we've got for the voters, we call it Poll Assassin. <laughs> Top six spots remain the same. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oklahoma 6, but... The distance between Georgia and Michigan is as close as it's been all year. 1,536 voting points to 1,504 voting points as Michigan picks up a few more uh, first place votes. Florida State picked up additional first place votes. Ohio State picked up additional first place votes as well. Georgia, you didn't even play and your stock is dropping. That's kind of the way it goes with uh, these AP voters. Uh, Further down in the rankings and a expected drop for Penn State, not too far though, just from 7 to 10. North Carolina after taking its first loss of the season, a, a horrendous loss falls from 10 to 17. Duke, Tennessee, they were both on the road as underdogs against conference foes that were higher ranked. They remained in the top 25 and why is USC ranked?
2: Cuz there's nobody worthy of putting them in their place. That's really it.
0: Ah uh, why is USC is six and two overall. Its best wins are against four and three Arizona and four and three Colorado.
2: But who are you gonna tell me who's going who 100 percent deserved to be an Adam?
0: Seven and oh Liberty. Liberty. Well, if you're gonna say USC's yeah. best
2: wins are this, who's Liberty's best win?
0: Mm. It ain't Middle Tennessee.
2: <laughs> exactly.
4: So it's like it's, they're undefeated. I, I think it's handling handling Jack State.
0: That's probably the best win.
4: On the road, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Oklahoma State has better wins. Kansas and Kansas State, I would say, back to back, are better wins. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's loss is pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. South Alabama and yeah.
3: scoreless, right?
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. Just the, anything. Anything else from the AP Top Twenty Five that stands out in terms of the adjustments?
2: I didn't think there's anything egregious. I feel like North. it was a bad loss, so I understand it. I I don't think North Carolina should have fallen as far as it did. It's down to 17 behind Mizzou. I, I like Mizzou. I don't know that Mizzou's a better team than North Carolina or deserves to be ranked ahead of them, although they do have that win over Kansas State. Other than that, I mean, the only thing I saw that made me amused is one voter had Florida at 17, which I thought was kind of nuts, but other than that, I don't really have too many heavy thoughts on this week's poll.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think we are getting a little bit closer to power rating in these polls. Somewhat, it's not always a bad thing. It's just it, it is a shift that I'm I'm noticing here. Uh, importantly, I think we are doing a pretty good job of not punishing teams who lose when they are already underdogs. Right. You already expected them to lose, right? And and then they do lose. It, it that that's like Oregon not being lower than they are, I think, is a pretty good sign of that. I, Utah has a better re- resume than Ole Miss, I think, at this point, and should be ahead of Ole Miss. The old,
0: so Ole Miss they, has- they, bla-
4: they blasted Florida. They went on the road and beat USC. They lost, you know, when, when their stuff was really in flux at Oregon State. Uh, they beat UCLA. They beat Cal. Like old Mrs. resume does not match up to this.
0: Tulane and um, LSU, and it's that's that's what they've got. Tulane with the backup in the game, they struggled with. Tulane yeah. and LSU, like that was that Tulane
2: Louisiana tr- double. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that's right. So um, I I I agree with you. We 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 made the offhanded joke on Saturday night. It's like will someone beat Ole Miss please? But they have wins against LSU and Tulane, which are both, you know, still stacking wins on wins on wins. Their only loss is to Alabama, which continues to look good. If you're a one loss team from the sec West with those wins, and that's your only loss, it's going to be really tough to, uh, to push you down. So seven point win, three point win, 20 point win, whatever it was going to be against Auburn, a win, sort of keeps Ole Miss uh, in, in that same conversation. But especially coming off the USC victory, I think your Utah point is uh, is fair.
4: We do need to discuss the, the lone team which dropped out.
0: Oh, the only team that dropped out. All right, let's let's ch- let's check in on our beloved Hawkeyes. All right, bud. All right. Are we so, discussing these points? Iowa, the only team that dropped out. Congratulations to James Madison, by the way. James Madison gets into the rankings. The second ever ranking for the Dukes. Last year was the first one. Unfortunately, they lost their next three games. Let's not do that again. Uh, OD, <laughs> ODU comes to town this Saturday uh, for the Dukes to put their top 25 ranking on the line. Bud, what we got? So, unfortunately,
4: and I'm, I'm still keeping the faith on this, but Iowa needed to score 30 on Minnesota, and it only scored 10. Probably should have scored 17 if they don't call that uh, you know, illegal fair catch signal there. So I have to redistribute the points just like the government, and I got 20 to redistribute this week amongst the five assumed remaining games. So we're going to need 35 this weekend. That Northwestern could be an issue, but like I think that is theoretically possible, right? Like Iowa's defense could create enough negative situations against this Northwestern offense, which is truly horrid, uh, to maybe you know put them in some good situations. 34 at home against Rutgers. Rutgers already bowl eligible. Congrats to Rutgers again. Maybe Rutgers overlooks Iowa. Right, because they're already bull eligible, but they're not really eligible to win anything else. Maybe they could get some short fields there. Illinois 34 at home in Kinnick. like it's unlikely, but guys, Illinois could self destruct here. Like we have seen them do so and give them a bunch of short fields. Nebraska is down to three true freshman receivers and a walk on at receiver. So if I if, if was somehow got up and, and Nebraska had to pass a lot, maybe you get like three or four short field touchdowns. And in the bowl game, we're going to need either like Iowa, Colorado, Iowa, USC with a bunch of opt outs, uh, like Iowa, Utah, State, I'm trying to think of like really bad defenses, which could be bowl eligible. Um,
0: the numbers Iowa that you have is- on the screen right now 35, 34, 34, 31, 35 yeah. is like you are like full Kyrie right now. This is a flat yeah. earth proposition. It's <laughs> like,
4: If we start getting up in like the 50s or 60s, I, I, I may really, I, I'm still going to do the bit because the chat loves the bit. <laughs> it's great for social, but oh my God. I, uh, go ahead. No, in a cruel twist of fate, uh, if you follow Parker's uh, chart on, on Twitter, the did, did we really get beat this bad? I actually had a higher success rate than Minnesota mm-hmm. did and
2: lost. Oh, the turntables.
4: But their quarterback had a 30.1 grade from PFF. And I don't know that I've seen like a starting QB grade that badly.
2: Did hit one really nice throw on the sideline though. That got him a first and goal. And
3: that was the biggest mistake. It was, um, so we had the over. So I was watching that closely. (laughs) Well, unfortunately I had to sit through that. It was, I feel like it's at the point and I felt, I'm trying to think of the other quarterbacks that felt like this, but like you just have to get them out there. I think it was Jeff Sims at Nebraska. Like you just have to get them off the field. Like you can't keep putting somebody out there that is that inept. Like it's going to ruin their entire career because they need a breather. That's where I got to the point with Deacon Hill. Like I was like, this this is bad. Like you can see it on his face. You can see him struggling. At one point, the broadcasters were like, "Well, he's making better decisions. He's still not hitting anybody, but at least he's throwing it in the right direction." And like when you hear an analyst say that, it's not a great sign.
4: What what career is he going to ruin by by playing more football? Like financial analyst, insurance salesman? <laughs> maybe he's like, like like gonna I don't no, know. Maybe he's in AI or, or you graphic can, arts. <laughs> what?
3: It's it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Do you think, <laughs> I don't know. I I, I think I
4: think Brian's gonna go back to the NFL, and thus Kirk won't won't have to to fire his son or fail to rehire. But But if Belly checks out, who's going to hire him? I mean, look, Kirk's got a million NFL connections. Not that the lawsuit's over, I bet you he can go get an NFL tight ends coach job or analyst job. Like, he can't enjoy this. I mean, the money's great, obviously. He's making, what, close to a million. But there's no way this is fun.
0: That's – Definitely something that you have to take into consideration. Though the definition of fun for the Ferentz family is, uh, you know, kind of up for debate. I don't know if it always falls in line with our our, uh, our, our shared values, and we'll see. Uh, all right, let's. Every single Monday, we like to go under the hood. We've gotten more chances to look back at the action, more takeaways. We call it a pun for the review. There were terrible calls. Do we want to go ahead and jump in? After
4: further review. After further review. After further review.
0: Clemson had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter against Miami and could not do anything with it. Let's Miami back into the game. Miami forces overtime. In the first overtime session, uh, both teams uh, kick field goals. Okay? Now we are into the second overtime session. Miami is first. They score and they get the two-point conversion. Clemson gets it down to fourth and goal at the one-yard line. The play... Cade Klubnick puts the ball into the belly of Will Shipley behind the offensive line, yanks it out, and takes off for the edge. At which point, Miami linebacker Corey Flagg drove his ass back eight yards for a failed fourth and goal conversion that ends the game. And afterwards, Dabo Sweeney told us that Kade didn't do what he was supposed to do.
4: So some coaches have employed sports psychiatrists. Have you ever done that? Oh yeah, we got him. We got him. He's probably he's probably
2: on suicide watch right now. Uh, <laughs> no yeah,
4: yeah. We 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 got we got him. Uh, so you know again, um just sometimes things don't go. I mean I'm sure Things have not gone the way y'all always want, maybe in your
2: professional career from time to time. Maybe you had a plan, you worked hard, and you did everything, and it didn't go the way you want. Well, I mean, you know what? You just
4: got to keep moving. You got to keep going. And so got in a team environment, you have a
2: decision to make. You stay together or you divide. It. You know?
0: So Dabo came out and said they had called the play for a handoff to Will Shipley and Kade just took off. Said he didn't, didn't do what the play was. And Kate Klopnik even said, I thought I saw something. I was trying to make a play. That was 100% on me. Woo, buddy. They, Clemson. The Clemson Tigers are 4-3 and three right now. They've got games left against Notre Dame, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Clemson started the year as the preseason pick to win the ACC. As a pick to maybe contend for the college football playoff. They weren't top five. They weren't top six going into the year, but they were top 10. Now at four and three, we're not talking about competing for an ACC championship. We're talking about whether this team is going to be bowl eligible. The answer is probably yes, but yikes. Thoughts on the state of the Tigers. I mean, I think I
4: understood what he saw. You think you understood? A whole lot of green is what he saw. Yeah. Like the, the backer for Miami on, on a little scrape exchange they did made a great play. Like mm-hmm. like he he really
3: played that well. Uh oh. So that that's the backer you're talking about. <laughs> that, that's that's who if it was a true zone read, that's who he's reading and he made no no right. that oh, guy Bobby, that guy crashes right right the problem is that the other guy, guy yes. Him. <laughs> is the one who made the play and came yep. scraped around it and was sitting right in his lap that were playing. Now there's one more thing I want to show you guys because I was looking at this. So just let it play oh shoot this isn't exactly the technology that's great for this but so watch watch shipley though if see him next to him mm-hmm. if shipley gets that ball he scores he's he easily bounces yeah. to the outside and walks yeah. in the end zone and that so that because i i wasn't 100 percent sure what Dabo said because i went back and watched i'm like well he kind of did like, if he's just reading the first end man on the line of scrimmage, he made the right call, and I think that's what he saw. But the reason you don't give him that option is because in the like in that goal line situation, that is a horrible play call. Like, you don't want that because the scraping linebacker can make that play with ease. I mean, he was all over him from the get-go. What I am blown away by is that Klubnik, so he admitted, like, said, yeah, I just did that on my own? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because that is something – I mean, I, I get today's players a lot different and they're more willing to, like, do their own thing. But that, to me, is unfathomable outside of a Peyton Manning after playing 10 years or Aaron Rodgers playing 10 years that you just don't do. Like, I am shocked that he – if if it wins, you're like, man. Hero. The, you know, yeah, What the, man, look at the balls on that kid. He went on his own. But if you don't and you went on your own, because that's very much – you know, a lot of those plays look the same. And I, I was hoping he would have said communication, like, hey, I thought he said we're going to run it like we normally do, which is read it out. But if they said, you know, there's plays called carry, C-A-R, uh, you know, call and run it. C-A-R-I, carry plays. Like that to me and Dabo's telling you that was a carry. We are going to call it and run it no matter what. I mean, this. All right, so Sweeney Warm said, way. quote, no, it was
0: a handoff, 100 percent. And we didn't hand it off. He just pulled it. I've got no answer. I mean, just trying to do too much.
2: And he's being honest because of what happened in the Florida State game, because there was the you know controversy over the RPO that they ran in the fourth and the short. So Dab was like, "Nope, we didn't do it this time. This time we called the handoff." So yeah, I mean, if you
4: make ten million, do you throw your kid under the bus like that, no. or do you just uh, like you just say, "Hey"? Miami made a great play. And then you, you rip them in private, I, I would think. Because um, now, with how DJ's doing, it makes it look like, look like he made the wrong choice. And you, know, you got Eric McLean ripping them as well after the game.
3: Uh, at Ripping Clubnik Clemson. Oh, ripping everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk to- a lot about the issues with quarterback play. I think there's something else, too, because there's no – you know, we've seen a lot of teams like just make the moves at coordinator. It's hard for coordinators to get on the same page with quarterbacks. Like we were talking about the language difference, the language barriers, and how you know the transfer portal has really diminished some of the quarterback play, along with the offensive line play. That Tom made that point, which was really good. But we're also seeing a lot of the coordinator movement that we saw take place have not been the home runs that I thought they were going to be. This was one of them. Um, the Phil Longo, Wisconsin. I'm It's early. But even before at Miami, Josh Gaddis, you thought, oh, he's a Broyles award winner. Like that should work. It's done, one and done after one year. Robert and I going to NC State didn't work, hasn't worked great. Like it takes time for these systems to be implemented and find that continuity. And I think Clemson's got some problems. I also think they miss Brent Venables a ton. Yeah, totally. Uh,
4: They'll just look so much better if they just get average like turnover luck inside the 10 yard line, though. Like whoa, we can whoa, whoa. say Clemson has problems.
0: They fumble more than anyone else in the country. In the country, their yeah, whoopsie I, daisy I, rate is
4: very high. I know, but like that that rate is not sustainable. Like there's nothing that suggests that Clemson is going to fumble this much
2: going forward. Like there, it
4: they it clearly have some problems. Season. It goes back yeah. to last
0: season. Like this is
2: like you can point it at coaching. I think they need to be carrying the ball to class, like in the program. That's what they need to be doing. <laughs> You fumble. You sit your ass down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're averaging like three
4: point three or three point four points in first in, like in goal to go situations like that. That's yeah. not sustainable for, for a team of of, of that talent level. I'm, I'm sorry, like that will get better throughout the stretch. It probably will, and it'll probably mask potentially some problems that they have inside. Like both things can be true, right? Like the luck will even out a little bit there,
2: and hold you know, the dang ball
0: their record against power five competition going back to the middle of last season's not good. Seven and six in the
2: last 13.
0: It's a tough, tough scene. All right, Tom, did you have, you had in a pun for the review you wanted to hit on, right?
2: Uh, Yeah. I
0: just kind of wanted to talk
2: about a team that we haven't really paid much attention to. We spent a lot of time talking about Iowa and the big 10 West in general for how bad it is, but we haven't discussed is Nebraska could win the Big Ten West. Nebraska has won four of its last five games, and I just feel like it's flying a little bit under the radar because we talked a lot about this program in the offseason. Matt Rule comes in. He's going to fix the program, or he's the latest attempt to fix the program after Scott Frost failed, after a 1,000 other coaches failed. And this Nebraska team, to me, it's not a (laughs) it's not a good team, but it is a team that in my eye looks a lot more like classic Nebraska than the like you know, searching for the team that they once were. They've got a very good defense and they've got a quarterback who can't throw, (laughs) but is basically running an option because Bud, you mentioned it earlier. They've got like three scholarship receivers, freshmen they've got a walk on. They've got nobody in the passing game to go to. So Heinrich Harburg is just like a Jordan Lynch, kind of Northern Illinois, Mac quarterback running the option for this team. And they are not only, you know, so they're four and three overall, they're two and two in the Big Ten. They're going to get to a bowl game in Matt Rule's first year. You look at the rest of this schedule, their next three games are Purdue, Michigan State, and Maryland. They can win two of those games, especially with Purdue and Maryland being at home and Michigan State being whatever the hell Michigan State is. Then they finish with Wisconsin on the road and Iowa. So they 100% control their own destiny and could be 7-3 going into those Wisconsin and Iowa games. And I feel like they're completely flying under the radar because the last anybody paid attention to Nebraska was when Jeff Sims was fumbling the ball 45 times in that 36-14 to 14 loss at Colorado. Since then, beat Northern Illinois, beat Louisiana Tech, beat Illinois, beat Northwestern, and they got killed by Michigan. Because, again, they're not a very good team. They're just... Compared to the rest of their division, they're just as good and a little bit better than a lot of spots. And I think this is a team that is 100% going bowling, has a chance to win this division, and considering what the expectations were for Matt Rule in year one, and just considering how Matt Rule's programs have done in the first year of his rebuilds at you know Baylor and at Temple, this is one of the bigger surprises for me in 2023, and it's just nobody's talking about it. Are they better than you thought they would be, or is the rest of the division just come to them? Both.
4: Because I, I mean, they have an identity. They They know who they are, and they haven't had one for five years. Yeah, yeah. Like, do they beat last year's team?
2: I'm not convinced they do. Prop
4: last
0: year's team loses by one score. Yeah,
2: because they fumble. Because they don't bench Jeff Sims. Because Scott Frost just keeps throwing it back out there, hoping it works.
0: No, their quarterback is a great Mac quarterback, Mm -hmm. and that is like good enough with with a pretty good defense and not making dumb mistakes. Uh, to be able to, to and get And they're very it. young
2: because they have been very banged up at receiver and running back. So these are all a bunch of freshman kids getting a lot of experience, playing well and winning. So it bodes well for this year and it bodes well for year two and three.
0: Wouldn't it be hilarious Big Ten title games? Definitely Michigan-Nebraska, right?
2: <laughs> It'd be an ugly rematch if it looks anything like the first game.
4: Win.
0: I'll tell you who has been talking to Nebraska. You think the they'll Big wear Ten, wristbands
4: this time? Big Ten League office.
0: <laughs> Big Ten League office knows where mm-hmm. Nebraska's been at. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, ring, ring. <laughs> um all right Uh but we we got a I'll, you choose where you want to go we got, we got a lot to get to we might be able to save some of the bowl stuff for wednesday we can do both if we want to yeah, yeah well
4: because we, we don't have that much carousel like maybe maybe we, we wait till one more week for carousel and we'll
0: do win totals updates win totals like updates that. bowl that falls in line we'll do that with big game breakdown all right where do you want to go uh so Do we need to talk about Utah
4: potentially making the Pac-12 title game? Yes. Zombie Utah. Yeah. So they're like a touchdown underdog at home in in Salt Lake to Oregon this weekend. It's not inconceivable that they win that game. Now, Oregon is the better team, I think, and much better quarterback. So I I think Oregon will win the game. They're favored, obviously. But like there's probably a 25-ish percent chance that Utah can make the Pac-12 title game, which is just complete chaos potential, even without Cam rising, right? Like this, they find a way they're, they're well coached. It, it we talk about like the league coming to them that I don't know how much you want to read into the USC win, given what we just said about USC, something mm-hmm. clearly, but the last time, you know, Utah still has to play Washington. I think they, they still they mm-hmm. host Oregon this In weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that the could still make it.
0: Well, yeah, all right. So Utah, st- you mentioned the Oregon game, massive. They still have to play Washington at in Seattle, but the rest of it is Arizona State at home, Arizona Road, Colorado home. Um, you know, you kind of lay that out there. Two loss at the end of that, because with your projection, I mean, a two loss team in the Pac-12 title game seems likely.
4: Yeah. The problem is they do lose the head to head against Oregon state. So they need that, that result to fall as well.
0: Yeah. Oregon state, as we've talked about before, has Oregon and Washington in the last two weeks of the season. I mean, this is, this is shaping up for the best worst. Well, I mean, just in the last year of the PAC 12, as we know it, maybe they're going to go out with the blaze of glory with the Tom Fernelli Anthem. The PAC 12 is always going to do what's worse for the PAC 12. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening, but I I'm with you, Bud. I'm, even the Bryson Barnes-led uh, Utah Utes still have a way and a path where I could see them making the Pac-12 title game.
4: If we're going to say bowl stuff, uh, upon further review, let's talk about bowl hopes which were slashed or dashed this weekend. App State—that's uh, not a game you can lose there. Like I, I, I think their fans have justified expectations of, of generally making it to a bowl game. Arkansas, Arkansas State. Like, you had a chance to maybe pull it out when, when you knocked McCall out of the game with a pretty egregious late hit uh, that he, he took off in an ambulance. Auburn, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, Illinois, still possible, oh, but, yeah. like, it, it took a pretty big hit. Uh, San Diego State, South Carolina, TCU, and Texas Tech.
0: Who play each other in two weeks. TCU is an interesting one. I spent some time with the Horn Frogs today because I was trying to look at it. Four and four um they're they've got the late off week they're off this week when they return for the start of november there are four games remaining at four and four include texas and oklahoma the other ones are texas tech and baylor so you have to get texas tech and baylor if you're tcu or if you drop one of those you have to take down either texas or oklahoma which i find somewhat stunning considering this is the they lost everyone, yes, but this is the program that was playing for the national championship game in early January at the start mm-hmm. of the 2023 calendar year, and they are a tightrope to even being a bowl game here in the follow-up season.
4: Definitely not the biggest collapse, however, after playing in a national title game, the Auburn team,
0: right? In 14? Or the, the 11? No, no, the 11. 11 teams, yeah, the yeah, 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 team. Team. yeah, that was... a. Uh, that was that was that's what led to a, a quick trigger on the man who's defensive coordinator for a defense that gave up two hundred twenty nine yards on the ground to the University of Virginia football club, this past we,
4: uh, past season past weekend. Can, can we discuss how much fun Nick Saban is having still? I know, like smoking the cigars, cracking jokes uh, about it, going over thanking the fans personally. Um, if you watch, he does the. Centennial or Colonial Bank or whatever bank it is, play of the week. And his, his defensive end makes a great pass rush and, and, and beats the hands of the Tennessee uh, tackle. And it, it's, a pick, it, it's a fumble six. And Saban's like just to his roots as a DB coach. And I just want to talk about this excellent technique. And, and he's just like bragging on like how, how we played these stack releases in the second half and kind of lightboxed him did so well. I, I'm not saying it is a farewell tour. If it was like an unannounced farewell tour, it would look like this. He's taking moments to take it all in.
0: Really appreciating this. I, I think it. the team plays hard. I think the reason that he likes this group and one of the reasons he's having so much fun, like, like it's set, let's just set the farewell thing aside. I think there are reasons yes. to believe that the locker room that he has, though limited comp- compared to the program standard, might be applying an attitude and an effort level in practice, in preparation that some of the super talented teams might not have had. Like he might be having a group that is limited compared to the national championship contending teams of years past, but just gotten so frustrated with the way that they handle their business. And this honestly goes probably back to fall camp. He has always talked about how he really likes this group. And part of my you know antenna was like, is he just gassing them up because he needs them to have confidence. And as we've gotten this much deeper into the season, and as we've gotten to watch seven games of Alabama football, I'm I'm kind of on the other side of this where I think it's like I don't I I believe that this group really is out there playing hard and he loves to see that kind of effort. He still complains about the consistency cuz the consistency is not there, but there is not a lack of effort or will coming from this Crimson Tide team and I mean that's what makes Nick tick. So I I can understand even if it's not a farewell tour, why we are seeing a different attitude because instead of seeing a talented team that is not reaching its potential, which drives him crazy, he is probably seeing a team that is coming closer to maxing out its potential. Even if that team is not as awesome and juggernaut ish as, uh, as other Crimson Tide teams have been. Totally fair. Um, All right. Any. Oh, no. Go ahead and talk
4: Washington, Arizona State.
0: Yeah, I was going to say um, they look really banged
4: up on the offensive line. Like I think Arizona State is still playing super hard, but Arizona State gave them massive problems. Washington played some backups up front. I think they are fortunate that they're about to play two teams in Stanford and USC who are not real physical. Like Arizona State plays harder on defense than USC does. They're not better. Yes, they might uh, defense might be a little bit better, not much. But like Washington has, has and I, and Penix also doesn't they probably won't say it. I think he's probably dinged.
0: He took a he took a shot to the upper yep. body in that game mm-hmm. that he kept going out there and playing. I don't I mean we, we might put Michael Penix in the Jordan Travis bucket I mean, he's just gonna be dinged right. you know the rest of the season, but because he's 23 and still really really wants to win and a huge competitor you're not going to see him uh not going to see him pack it up or you know save himself for anything I, I get i got the read back when he stretched every inch of his body towards the goal line back in the penn state indiana game i was like that guy is he's he's a poured out all-star was there anything that you saw from arizona state beyond their effort that can be replicated against the rest of washington's schedule specifically. Utah, Oregon State, and maybe even Washington State, if you think that's dangerous.
4: Yeah, I, I think some of the blitz stuff they were doing through the A gaps. If Washington still has to play the same center, is is problematic for Washington. Like other teams can and will replicate that until Washington is able to answer. Uh, it also gets pressure in Penix's face almost immediately. Like there were some jailbreak pressures in this game that, it, if that's still what they're rolling with personnel wise, they. Not only won't win the Pac-12, like they'll lose like two or three games, because much better teams will exploit them. It, like you're not going to function offensively like that. So they need to get those guys healthy or get the the starters healthy. I, I need to see like who was actually playing, but it looks, yeah, like that was not good.
0: Arizona State played well enough to win that game.
4: They did, yes. Shout out to Kenny Dillingham for getting those guys to play hard. Like they are just probably the most injured
2: offense in the country. Um, Arizona State's played well against everybody. I mean, it's just yeah. not a good team.
0: It's exactly. a good sign. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Arizona State fan, you've got the right guy. Like That, that should be something that works out uh, in the long term. All right. Ah, oh, man, we're rocking and rolling. Wednesday, here's the deal. Lo- loaded, loaded. Show on Wednesday as well, because we're going to be giving you our big game breakdowns. Of course, like we do every Wednesday, we're going to be doing an update on our win totals before the season. We had our win totals locks. We had huge boards. We're going to grade uh, all of our picks so far. What are we most confident in, least confident in based on uh, what's left at the end of the season? Uh, we will go into a little bit more of the bigger bowl picture. You know, what some notable teams and cases in terms of what they've got left, building on the expand building on the conversation here in a pun further review. And so much more. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Thank you, Alex, in the chat, aka the cover three tailgate, Tuesday night. All right, so Tuesday night, we have um, first game. is New Mexico Gormley. State, and
2: Louisiana Tech, and Liberty in Western Kentucky.
0: All right, so we got Louisiana Tech favored by three. Liberty favored by four on the road in Bowling Green.
2: Liberty. 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 It's going get, to keep getting bigger. Also, New Mexico State plus three. Louisiana Tech shouldn't be favored against a damn, like a, uh, no, there's nobody Louisiana Tech should be favored against.
4: I, I can see both sides of that,
2: yeah
0: nothing no no strong
2: no strong no, no no lock on it yet yeah also under in liberty western kentucky
0: 60 we keep, and a half, too many
2: daggone points we keep putting but, totals in western kentucky games like western Kentucky's a good offense it's not
0: yeah the only
4: thing i would say on that is Jaquez evans is done for the year he's probably the best defender in cusa and they also lost number um Number ninety-seven, who's another D lineman for them, what Western did in that mm-hmm. game the other night. So like, Western's well, already a bad defense. Like, there's some chance that they just don't have any dudes, and that Liberty can score, you know, thirty-five. And, and teams have moved it, like like middle moved it on, on on Liberty, right? And they run that that's like spread you out, go fast type thing. I don't know. This is Still a tough handicap for me. Just I was I was,
0: I was I was attacking it from the mindset of. Caden Salters kind of on a heater. He's the only like he's the one player who can take this game over more than Austin Reed can. Do you want to run with Liberty? Like do you think you can win that football? Do you think you can win both teams have 14 possessions kind of football game or does Liberty win because the offense is playing better right now?
4: Right. I mean Liberty is one of the slowest teams in the country. Like, if, if Liberty's controlling it. Now, the problem is Western's defense doesn't play like that. Right. They play like, not, it's just stops or scores and fast. <laughs> like, you don't really drive it on them. You're just you're going to hit explosives or you're, you're going to probably have a tackle for loss, turn it over, have to punt type thing. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is a tough one. I need to look into this more. Well, I mean, Liberty in the under, parlay them. There you go. You're going to be you, rich. Tom. That's kind of a sicko-mode parlay. Not quite
0: both quarterbacks to go over the
4: yardage in Iowa,
0: Minnesota. Hey, listen, where there's value, we'll find it. All right, we will be back Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.